Welcome back to another edition of Intelligent Ignorance. I'm your host, Zayon Smith. You can tell I'm in a good mood because I feel like I just now realized that October means Halloween movies. Halloween movies. I feel like I just realized October means Halloween. And Halloween means scary movies. Now, you see, a lot of people get antsy and jittery and excited and happy when we get to October because they think about Christmas for some fucking reason. Like, we forget about Halloween and Thanksgiving is the most slept-on holiday there is. I'm going to say that right now. We just forget about those and it's straight to jolly old Saint Nick. But not I. Not I. I want to give... October to just do. And since there's not going to be a Halloween this year, if you've got any common sense, if you're not a psycho, you're not going to go trick-or-treating or letting you like, yeah, like there's, there's no Halloween this year. It's canceled. And because of that, I feel like the only way to really get into that holiday spirit is to overload on horror movies. And that that's not really a big deal to me. I've realized that there aren't too many people that really sit down and watch horror movies by themselves just for fun. So I I realized that I'm I'm considered a psycho by a decent percentage of of the population. But uh yeah, I love horror movies. I've said it before. Horror movies are my favorite genre. It's undisputed. It's not even it's not even up for debate as far as I'm concerned. Horror movies, a good horror movie though. A good horror movie, to me, there's nothing, there's no better experience. Like, yeah, you go to a comedy and you're laughing, ha ha, he he, ho ho. But at the end of the day, you go to a horror movie, a good horror movie, you go to the movies, you see a great horror movie like, like The Conjuring 1 or 2 or Hereditary, you're fully engaged in that damn thing and you're really on the edge of your seat heart pounding paranoid sweating and stinking you know like it you're you're all in that's why i like horror movies more than anything else because I, that the engagement that a great horror movie can create to me is unparalleled and it's not really rivaled by any other genre of movies. You got, like I said, you got your comedies, you got your crime dramas, you got your science fiction, you know. And science fiction can be pretty engaging too, but I feel like there's a disconnect there. There's a disconnect with some horror movies too, but there's a disconnect with certain, not even certain, I feel like with science fiction movies because... You can look at like you can look at a a movie like Blade Runner or Blade Runner twenty forty nine and be like, oh yeah, that could be what the future is like, but that's gonna be a long time from now. Or you're looking at it like, oh well, that's not what it's like right now, and that it doesn't take you out of it, but it doesn't really, it doesn't really hit the same. You see a movie in the theaters like Hereditary, which I didn't even see in theaters. That movie, it's very realistic in a sense where the paranormal stuff that happens in it, it's not overtly, like, it's not overtly supernatural. Like, it could be explained another way. Like, spoilers, 
clearly it's an older movie but spoilers um when when tony collette uh it's at the beginning of the movie when tony collette is uh in in the room where she's making the miniatures and right as she's about to leave and shut the light off and she does shut the light off and she sees her mother um you could just write that off as oh the mother just died she's seeing stuff oh you know she might be going crazy but it's not until the end of the movie and you've seen everything and if you're really paying attention you've seen all the little hidden details or, or the, the yeah the little hidden details and you've piece the puzzle together as as much as you th- best could you know i've seen it like three times and i don't even think i've picked up on everything i've seen it more than three times what am i talking about i've seen it like at least five times and i don't think i've picked up on everything but even then with with hereditary and what the director ari aster did like that by the end of the movie, you're going like you've been through so much emotionally and like mentally and maybe even physically that when they're in the in the treehouse and I I really don't want to spoil the ending, but when they're in the treehouse and everything is happening and you're sitting there processing it all, like you're it, it's I a lot of people that. I know they the ending was eh to them. You know, it wasn't the strongest ending. It wasn't the weakest ending. I like it. I don't really hate it. I don't see an issue with it. It doesn't disappoint me. It didn't take me out of the movie. It didn't underwhelm me or anything like that. Um, but do I think the ending of the movie was scary? At like the very ending, like the last two minutes? No. No. Everything before that? Yes. <laughs> Hereditary is my favorite, mm, second favorite horror movie of all time. I'm going to get into my number one later on. But Hereditary, it's definitely the best horror movie that's been made in the past decade. And the only movie I see being scarier than that, honestly, hasn't even come out yet. And I don't even know what it is. I think it's going to be a movie directed by Ari Aster. I think the only person that could outdo him is him or somebody else from uh, the A24 studio. Because that studio just doesn't miss. Like, you look at what they've put out. um, I almost said Screen Gems. (laughs) Fuck. Um, Uncut Gems. The Witch. uh, Midsummer, Hereditary. You know, like, what's going on? The Lighthouse. Fucking Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson. I remember I saw the trailer for that movie. And I was like, hmm. You know, it's in black and white. It looked like, I am i can't tell you the millimeter thing, whatever it was shot in. I can't tell you that. But it I, I, I loved it. I really, I really dug it. And it... It caught my attention. The presentation of it caught my attention. And Willem Dafoe is a great actor. You know, Platoon, Spider-Man. He's a great actor. We know this. Robert Pattinson is a great actor, too. We didn't know that, though, until after Twilight. I don't care who I offend with this. Twilight is hot garbage. Garbage. Trash. I'm not, I'm not, and this is, this is about scary movies. 
And yes, Twilight is scary because of how garbage it is. But it's not a horror movie. It's just horrifically bad. But <laughs> that was corny as fuck. <laughs> but uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna start shitting on Twilight. That's not what I'm here for. Um, I wanna I wanna talk about Hereditary and then get into a few more horror movies. Uh, the scariest part from Hereditary. I'm gonna say it right now. The scariest part from Hereditary. I'm gonna say it right now. The scariest part. From hereditary is when the daughter gets her head taken off. And damn, I should. Y'all knew I was going to spoil it. I don't want to hear it. If you haven't seen it already, shame on you. Okay? Shame on you. All right? Shame on you. Okay? (laughs) Hereditary is great. And the thing that I love about that scene so much was the build up to it. You know? There's so much groundwork that was getting laid down, you know, like the mom. I'm, I'm calling her by the actress name because I don't remember the, the, the character's name. Uh, Tony Collette, when she was telling uh, Charlie, when she was telling her, oh, yeah, your brother's going to a party. You're going with him. Charlie says straight up. She was like, no, nah, that's OK. She's like, what do you mean that's okay? No, you're going to go. You're going to meet high school kids. You're 12-year-old. You're going to go there. You're going to have fun. Because we all know that high school parties are a great place for preteens to meet people. So she ends up going. The brother is like, hey, how about you go meet people? I don't know what was going on with these people. Like, that's the one thing I'll say. Like, I don't get that. My, I don't have kids, clearly. But if I did, I'm not letting my daughter go to, a, to to my son's high school party that he's going to. I was in high school. Especially now. I was in high school in the 2010s and finishing up in 2020. I know what it was like. That's not happening, okay? Shame on you, Tony Collette. Anyway, they're at the party and Nat Wolf is telling his his sister... Oh, yeah, well, you know, you can just... The, the cake is for everybody. You can just go have some cake, you know? And something masterful about this movie was that earlier on, you see Charlie eating a Hershey's bar, and the father walks up to her, and he goes, that doesn't have nuts in it. And Charlie goes, no. And the mother walks up. They're like, oh, yeah, right, we're going. Da, da, da. Oh, that doesn't have nuts in it. You know, you're allergic, right? Just passing in conversation, letting you know she's allergic to her. To, to it. Why? Because when they're at the part, when she's at the party with her dickhead brother, what does he do? He leaves her to go have some cake while he goes to talk to this hot girl that he had class with. And it's like, hey, 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 do you smoke? Because I've got great weed. And she's like, yeah, I do smoke. Rookie move, boy. I saw it coming a mile away. What did she do? She brought him upstairs to a room with other stoners. So what happened? Your plan failed. We'll get them next time. Only there wasn't a next time. Why wasn't there a next time? Because the cake had peanuts in it. Peanuts? It had nuts in it. And Charlie's eating it, and she's already hitting that... <clears throat> like she's gagging and can't breathe shit. And you, as the, as the, as the audience member, you're like, oh shit, she's, she's having an allergic reaction. Oh my god, oh no. Beautiful storytelling masterful storytelling. Charlie walks up to the room. She's telling her brother, yo, I cannot breathe. I can't breathe. I'm unable to inhale oxygen. This is a problem. 
So he starts panicking, as anyone would. He's like, oh, my God, oh, my God, I'm a shitty brother. I'm a shitty brother. We're going to be okay. I'm going to drive you in this, like, 2012 pickup, not pickup truck, this minivan fucking soccer mom, middle-aged white woman minivan. I'm going to speed going 30 miles an hour, flooring it going 30 miles an hour, I might add. Talking about some, we're going to make it to the hospital. We're going to make it to the hospital. She, Charlie, gasping for air, struggling to breathe, clinging to to life. She op- she opens the window, sticks her head out, trying to get that that cool rush of oxygen into her closing windpipe. And then what happens? Bam! Pole takes her head off. That's, it all happened so fast that... I remember my first time watching it with my sister. We both just sat there in silence, like <gasps> silence, it's tangible silence. And something that I loved about that scene was the brothers sitting there in the driver's seat, and he's—you can see. I don't know how they managed to get across how tightly he was gripping the steering wheel but he was gripping that mother <laughs> he was gripping it you know what i mean like gripping it cuz he was he was he was probably panicked probably he was panicked and he's sitting there like you can hear for some reason like you could only hear like his breathing low key and he was breathing all hard and like fast and Something that I liked was it the camera was focused on his face and it showed that uh his eyes he was starting to like look up at the um you can tell I don't drive at the mirror. Um he was looking up at the mirror because he wanted to see if Charlie was okay and then he immediately looked down and when he looked as he was looking up the camera moved up and then when he immediately looked down the camera did that quick as um you know look back down with him i loved that i like the the little directing techniques i i loved it and then he just drives home why he just drives home with his sister's lifeless headless body i don't know but at the same time it's like well what would you do i would probably run away to a country not the united states because I, I I don't I'm not, I couldn't no I don't even think I could live with myself if I did some shit like that let alone face my parents okay it's a wrap for me I'm done it's clips my name is Jorge I live in Mexico now that's just what it is I sell I'm not gonna say that just <laughs> but um. <laughs> Like the the movie, it it really it. I don't know how it got this done so well. I don't know how it got this across so well. Like the depression and just the the sadness and the tragedy that just loomed over this family. It it came across so well. Like you really felt for them, and that's why I think. Ari Aster is definitely going to be our like horror movie icon as far as like directors go. Cause 
One thing that I've thought about is you got Ridley Scott, Spike Lee, Francis Ford Coppola, Stanley Kubrick, Quentin Tarantino, Ingmar Bergman, you know, all of those great, renowned, illustrious, best of the best directors, nothing more to be said, clearly, obviously, right, right, but do we have that? Like, years from now, who are going to be our, like, Ingmar Bergman's, Tarantino's, Kubrick's, Kurosawa's, Spike Lee's, you know? I think we've got Ari Aster. I think we've got Jordan Peele. I think we've got um, Denis Villeneuve. Um, But, I mean, I I don't... I think think the level of... Not the level. I think the amount of great and talented directors is definitely not as large as it once was. And keep in mind, I'm a young kid, you know, so this is all based on stuff that I've done, spending hours upon hours of just watching movie analyses and watching movies and, you know, reading up on all these different directing techniques and writing techniques and directors and, you know, their methods to their madnesses and all of that stuff. Um, So I really do have a deep appreciation for directing specifically. I, I, I have an appreciation for actors. Clearly, you have to because they're just as important. But I do think that directors are the most important piece to the overall puzzle of filmmaking because they're the ones at the helm of making it all come together. You know, like you you take a movie like um some like like The Shining in the spirit of October. You take a movie like The Shining. I think The Shining in the hands of any other director would not be anywhere near as good. I don't fuck what Stephen King thinks. The Shining is great. All right? I don't want to hear it. Okay? I don't think anyone could do better than Stanley Kubrick did with The Shining. You know, the the, the elevator, the, the, the blood pouring out of the elevator, the twins, Jack Nicholson's performance, Shelley Duvall's performance, performance, which got shit on, I found out, makes me sad. Also makes me sad to see what she looks like now. Not even trying to be funny. It just, it makes me sad. Damn. But, you know, you've got uh, in such an important role in the director that I, I really do appreciate guys like Denis Villeneuve and Guillermo del Toro and Stanley Kubrick and Quentin Tarantino because the ability to have your own unique directing style that is unique to you and specific to you. And when someone watches a movie, they don't even have to see your credit yet. As far as like directed by, they just watch the movie. And like with Spike Lee, how there's the the pan, not the pan shot, but the the shot where he's like following the characters walking and it looks like they're just moving on like this, like, uh, like this escalator type platform thing. Or you take Stanley Kubrick with the zoom or you take Quentin Tarantino with the dialogue and the violence and the fantastic soundtrack. So you take, um... Uh, uh, George Miller with his action, you know, I think it's such an incredible thing to be able to create this kind of visual art and have a 
unique style and have a way of presenting it that is only you. Because, yeah, there's going to be copycat motherfuckers out there, but they don't do it as good as the original. Like, you're not going to have a guy go watch Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels or go see Snatch and think, oh, I'm going to make a movie like Guy Ritchie. Or go see... The Shining or Full Metal Jacket and think, oh, I'm going to put a gratuitous zoom in my movies just like Stanley Kubrick. Only Stanley Kubrick didn't do it gratuitously because that motherfucker was a genius. Okay? <laughs> I'm passionate about this shit. I'm passionate. All right? I love movies. I love them. Almost as much as I love gardening. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but to move on from Hereditary, I want to talk about my favorite movie of all, my favorite horror movie of all time, which I already mentioned is The Shining. Now, for the rest of this episode, it's going to be The Shining. So if you think The Shining is garbage, how? Or if you love The Shining, great. Welcome to the club. Um, I think The Shining is the best psychological horror movie ever made because of the the amount of detail and the amount of precision in everything that went into making the movie that Stanley Kubrick did. I didn't articulate that the way I wanted to, and it kind of upset me just now, not gonna lie, but we move on from things like that, because there's a lot that I want to say about this movie that has been said already. There's a documentary about it, for fuck's sake, that I have not seen, because despite what many people may think, including my parents, I have a life. Um, But I love The Shining so much because, A, the soundtrack. The soundtrack was, to me, it was predominantly like noises. And one of my favorite pieces of sound from the movie is the, um, I can't even replicate it, but if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. It's like, it's this, it's this melody that plays after, not even after, uh, it's when, it, it's when, it's when Wendy's walking up the stairs and she sees the guy in the, in the, uh, in the bear suit blowing the guy in the, uh, in, it dressed up like the, uh, in, in the tuxedo. If the guy, if the guy's got a name, if the character's got a name, I don't know it. Like I said, I've got a life. I swear to God I do. Um, the, that, that sound, I love it. it I love that sound and I love the movie so much that in everyday life, I'll find myself, it'll it'll play in my head when I see some wild shit. I can't tell you how many times I was walking through the hallway in high school and saw some shit I would have loved to go my entire life without seeing. And when I saw it, it played in my head. All right. Stanley Kubrick has got a spell on me. All right. I may have The Shining. I don't know. (laughs) Um, I love Shelley Duvall's performance and I want to get into that. I want to get into that because I feel like it, even people that love The Shining don't really talk about her performance as much as they talk about Danny Lloyd's performance or Scatman Carruthers performance or clearly Jack Nicholson's performance. Shelley Duvall played the character of a woman plus she played the role of a woman who was so broken and tired and drained and exhausted from everything she'd been through so well 
like the scene where the 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 scene everybody fucking knows where Jack Nicholson is taking the axe to the door and he goes here's Johnny and he sticks his hand in there and Shelley Duvall screaming her fucking lungs away slices his hand that took everything in her even when he was um when he was stalking her up the stairs and he was like Wendy Give me the bat, give me the bat, give me the bat, you know? And she hits him in the head with the bat and he tumbles down the stairs and realistically should have died, you know? And made pro- eh, I think so. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck if you're a doctor. I think he shouldn't have made it. Um, that took everything that she had in her. And I think Shelley Duvall portrayed that very well. Mostly because she didn't have a choice. Stanley Kubrick was terrorizing her. Um... But I, I, I don't get why her performance was so hated on. And this isn't something that I grew to appreciate. Like, even when I first saw it, when I was 13 years old, 12 years old, maybe. No, I, I, no, 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 I was 13 because I was in seventh grade. Seventh grade? I was in seventh grade. I was 13. Eighth grade. Fuck. Don't trust my memory. It's the gardening. Um, I loved her performance even then. I loved it. I loved the entire movie. I know people that don't like the movie. and this or, or it took them multiple viewings. And I get it because there's movies that I've seen that did require multiple viewings for me to appreciate it. Like 2001 A Space Odyssey. When I first saw it, I liked it a little bit. And then when I saw it again, I loved it. I, I, don't really, I can't really tell you what changed. I just appreciated it more. I think I got it more, maybe. But with The Shining, nah. Nah, I got that shit ASAP. I loved that movie ASAP. And it was almost entirely because of Jack Nicholson back then. The way he performed in that movie is unparalleled to me. I haven't seen another performance like that. I hadn't seen another performance like that by an actor or actress up until Tony Collette in Hereditary. Jack Nicholson from the rip there was something about him in that smile and like the teeth and the grin and the eyebrows and the fact that his forehead was popping with the receding hairline like he just <laughs> like he just there was like his he played a man unhinged a man on the edge a man who needed alcohol and went without it because he was an alcoholic so perfectly jack nicholson is the perfect crazy man to me just like Willem Dafoe. They're two sides of the same coin. I don't think I used that right. But they're both crazy as hell to me. And they both perform. They, they both play characters that are so crazy. Because I think in real life, those motherfuckers are insane. You don't play a character like Jack Torrance and the Joker and the character in The Departed unless you're a little off. And um uh uh McMurphy and one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Yeah, Jack Nicholson is a millionaire with some screws loose. But he's my favorite actor of all time. Who starred in my favorite horror movie of all time. Go figure. Um but I want to get into another thing that I really want uh, that I really appreciate and that is Danny Lloyd's performance. Now, clearly, it's almost it's common knowledge that child actors are almost routinely terrible and raped by the adults in the industry. But Danny Lloyd is the exception to the rule for the first part. I know for sure. I don't know about the second part, 
But Danny Lloyd was great. Like the way he was talking to Tony and then his reactions to when he saw um saw the twins in the hallway and come play with us, Danny, forever and ever and ever. And when he went into Jack Torrance's room to talk to him and Jack told him, I wish we could stay here forever and ever and ever. I just picked up on that five years after seeing the movie for the first time. And I've seen it damn near a hundred times. Stanley Kubrick, once again, genius. There will be no discussion. That's just what it is. I don't, I don't make the rules. I just live by them. All right. Rule number one, Stanley Kubrick is goaded. Rule number 4080, record company people are shady. I'm corny, yo. <laughs> I'm corny as shit. I'm sorry. Um, um, but um, my, my favorite scene from The Shining, if I, had to, if I had to nail it down to one, because anytime I see the elevator... Uh, the blood pouring out of the elevator. Like, I just love it. I have a gift saved in my phone just of that. But my favorite scene from The Shining is definitely when Jack Nicholson walks into room 237. And he uh, he kisses the uh, wife, which to him looks beautiful at first. And then, boom, it's a, it's a, it's a corpse. And that laugh, it's the scariest laugh I've ever ever heard like it haunts my dreams it haunts my waking days bro like it it stays with me always and forever that is one of those things about that movie that just made it perfect like just perfect you can tell i love that movie uh, unapologetically it is what it is I, I, don't, I don't care like anyone listening to this you want to reach out to me at Zay Lethal on Twitter and tell me that you hate the movie? I'll block you. I don't give a fuck. This is a dictatorship, not a democracy. I'll block your ass. We love the shining around here. All right? But, <laughs> uh, let me stop. Let me stop. I'm just playing. But because it's just me, once again, I want to get out of here a little uh, a little early. Even though this one was about a half hour. So we, we I did pretty... I said we. I did pretty good on this one. I'm, I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm doing all right, but uh, something I want to do for the rest of the uh, month of October for any episodes that I do by myself, they will be strictly horror related, whether it's horror stories from my life, horror movies that I love, horror movies that I hate, or songs that are like horror songs to me, because I'm not going to lie, that song Sweet Dreams by Marilyn Manson, when I saw the music video, gave me fucking nightmares. That's why I don't fuck with him. All my, like, nah, all my homies hate Marilyn Manson. I don't, uh-uh, we don't rock with that. Nope. Mm-mm. <laughs> Mm-mm. <laughs> but make sure to follow me on Twitter, at Zay Lethal, like I said. Make sure to follow the podcast on Instagram, at Intelligent.Ignorance. Make sure to listen to us on all of the platforms we have available, because we want to grow, and we want you to grow with us, personally, Business-wise, I'm, I'm talking out of my ass. I'm just trying to drag it on here, create a, a, a professional sound and intro. Um, but see you, guys, see you guys. You will hear me again, whether it's with Sage or without Sage. You will hear another episode on Friday, as promised. Deuces.